Hi, I'm Matt, and this is Weekends Off, a podcast where we tell stories about what it looks like to work at a church, leave a church staff, and more importantly, what it looks like to find a new career. I was a pastor on staff at a church for six years, and then I became a barista. After that, I got a job in banking, and honestly, I believe that life can be good with Weekends Off. Welcome to Weekends Off. This is the second part of a conversation that I had with a friend of mine named Tyler Hanley. We were both youth pastors in Florida, but that is not the job that he holds today. Last episode, we talked about getting involved in ministry, what that was like, and then what it looked like to leave. And now we're going to talk about what it looked like for him to find a whole new career. He's going to give some suggestions, some advice. We'll reflect on that experience and what it's like working in the tech sector. And I hope that it is helpful to you and that you enjoy the conversation. Thanks for joining us. So Tyler, welcome back to part two of Weekends Off. We spent the last part um, for your story talking about your church experience, what you did, where you did it, and then a lot of the feelings that you had looking back at those experiences. But for this second part, we're going to focus more on you actually starting to have weekends off and the job that you got, the career path that you took in order to experience um, the the sensation of having weekends off. Um, welcome, welcome back to the podcast. How's it going today? Oh, it's so good. I'm so happy to to be talking about this stuff. It's it's uh it's exciting to me. So, thanks for having me again. Yeah. Of course. It's exciting for me, too, because I think for so many people that are going through um, this transition that, that we're, we're, we're attempting to, to shed some light on, the, the transition from church work as a career to doing something maybe a little bit different, um, I think the questions about getting a new job is it might be the hardest part, right? Obviously, there's, yeah. there's stresses about leaving your job, about um, deciding no longer to work in ministry, and there's some deep-seated uh, tensions in our lives during those seasons. But, um, but once you quit, sometimes it's just really difficult to try to even figure out what I would do next. So Tyler, tell me about your career progression at a very high level. Um, like what, what was your first, what, what you might consider a career job? You can talk about coffee sure. shop as well in that. Um, and then what, what did you do? And then what do you do now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so while I was living in San Francisco, obviously, if you listened to last uh, episode, um, I had left my my church job, um, moved to SF, and um, started to think through you know what I wanted to do with my life, especially about two years in. So I was managing a coffee shop for about a year and um, sort of serving on the side, um, and and got really uh, plugged into. Um, kind of these next steps. And so from there, I actually took a contract role at a tech company. Um, I was It was very entry level. I was actually the front desk receptionist as well as the member services coordinator. So just lots of admin work there. Um, I was only there for three months. I actually leveraged it to get another job at um, a, a startup. Um, it was a full-time role. So I was really stoked about that. Started out as a junior project coordinator. Um, again, super entry level, was really um, developing my skills. And I was actually promoted a few times within that startup. I became a project coordinator. 
I became a project planner, and eventually I actually took on the role of a business analyst where I, um, for the first, you know, sort of period of time in that role was trained up in, in how, to, how to do business analysis and honing in on my skills. But then eventually I uh, decided to move to New York and I was looking for new work. And with all of kind of the skills and positions behind me, I took on a revenue analysis role at an e-commerce company. Um, it, it just started to get more technical from there. And about a year in, um, though I had really developed my skills, I um, realized I wasn't loving the work. And so about eight months ago, I switched industries, switch, switched my, my job altogether. I'm currently uh, a program manager at a tech company called Handshake. And my job is to actually help employers, uh, so, so large-scale companies, uh, I help manage their hiring programs, especially for uh, entry-level talent. And so it's kind of a coincidence that we're talking about, you know, taking your first job or first couple jobs outside of out of church work, because um, that's a lot of what I'm doing right now. Yeah, I, I love that. And that was one of the reasons that one of the many reasons that I was excited to have you on because of this, uh, the experience that you have and some of the insights that you can provide. And I know that we talked about a little bit later in the episode, you giving a couple of interviewing and resume tips, tips that, that you have given to many people um, as a part of your current role. But I'm curious to maybe start at the beginning. So you were at uh, you were at Sozo in San Francisco, Sozo Church, and mm -hmm. you were trying to figure out, hey, what is next? So you were a barista, but then what and, and you were a barista while you were pursuing your church work. Is that right? That's yeah, that's correct. I was a barista just to pay rent <laughs> and yeah. uh, and it kind of evolved from there. And then you, you became a manager at that coffee shop. But tell me about the tensions that made you decide, you know what, hey, I've loved the coffee life, but, um, but maybe I need to get a new job. What was that thought process like? Yeah, well, it kind of started to change about, um, I'd like to say, two years in, uh, maybe a year and a half in, where um, I think I realized I wasn't going to get a job anytime soon at the church. And so I definitely started to consider what that meant for me long term. And I had some friends who were starting to take on different types of work. And I started to get exposed to different industries, different career paths. And, um, you know, bottom line was I also just I, I wanted more money. <laughs> I, I needed more money. I was I was pretty broke at that point, living in one of the most expensive cities uh, in the world. Um, so I, I, I knew I wanted to pursue something else and I started, um, applying and interviewing at a variety of, of tech companies. And, you know, the whole tech thing is, is really just out of convenience. You know, that's kind of one of the main hubs of, of, of startups and tech in the world. And so, um, it was pretty easy to find work, at least to find openings and, I did a lot of interviewing. I got a lot of rejection, um, but uh, eventually uh, landed my my next role. Yeah, that's great. So, what was what was the next role? And then tell me about that interview process. I, I know that you had mentioned that you were looking for some different things, and then there was a a, a certain approach that you took that maybe yeah. helped differently than others. Yeah. So. Um, 
with like my limited experience and, and, and really my very small resume, um, it was just hard to stand out in the interviews. And I had come across a couple of recruiting agencies that existed in the city, which if you're not familiar, um, you, you don't pay a dime, you, uh, get, you know, in touch with an agency, they uh, get, gain an understanding of your background and what your goals are, um, as well as just like your, your salary expectations and they put you in touch directly with um, a variety of potential openings, um, typically really entry level and typically contract. So you might hear the, the, the phrase that this, this role is contract to hire, meaning they'll kind of test you out for a few months and maybe eventually convert you to full time. And so at that point, I was pretty much looking for any job. And this one came up again, the sort of front desk, member services, really entry level role. Um, and, and the agency uh, sent it over. I went to go interview. And literally, uh, like a few days later, they, they sent me an offer. No way. So was the agency, is that like a national agency, the place that you used? Or was it specific to San Fran? Um, I think it's specific to San Francisco. It uh, It's called Premier. Um, I also knew of Creative Circle, if you're in like a technical production or creative role. Um, but there's agencies everywhere. And there's national agencies, there's local ones. Um, if you can find the ones that don't require any sort of like upfront costs, I, I would just like highly recommend. All it does is expose you to to hiring managers. Yeah. Is it, it's the companies that pay the agencies. Is that how that works? Because the yeah. agencies are essentially providing a service to the companies. Yeah. 100%. That's interesting because that's, um, I, when I was pursuing church work post my job at the, at the chapel in Florida, I had used some church specific agencies that did the same oh, thing yeah. where you, you give them your information and there's different levels. Like I, the one that I ended up using the most successfully was just a, tr- uh, a job posting site where you essentially created a profile and companies would pay a subscription to have access to the profiles listed. So nice. your profile is free, but companies would pay a subscription and be able to look through. Um, that's probably something that's more church specific, where a, a church would be looking through a bunch of resumes. Um, bigger companies, obviously, I don't think they, t- they take the same approach where they would just be like sorting through a job posting board or something. Um, but it's cool to know that there are these companies out there that will, for no at no cost to you, will essentially help you along um, because it's easy to feel stuck. Um, was there any part of that process during getting your first job where you thought, oh, it's not going to happen? Like maybe, maybe I'm ruined. Um, I think it was more during the rejection before I joined the agency that I felt that way. You know, I definitely was a little hopeless um, just because it's it's daunting if you don't know um, when, when your next opportunity is coming. Um, I, I joined the agency and literally got that job like a week later. So it was just a wow. really perfect situation. But I will say um, it, it's not a, like 100%. I, I'd say the cost to you comes more long term, because typically the pay range for those roles is less than if you um, got the job directly through the company, just due to the upfront costs to the employer. And so um, sometimes you'll find work easier through an agency, but it might be uh, a contract role where you don't have as much job security and the salary may be less than than other you know avenues. 
Let's talk about your resume for a second. So um, you were involved in ministry. I know that for almost all of us that have a, a ministry background, and and you and I talked about this too, and this is a side side note, but um, there's there are these pathways that get young people involved in ministry work so quickly. You had mentioned that you started your first church job at 17. I had started my first church job at 21. I was a senior in college when I was offered my job. Um, but even now, I mean, some of these larger churches have created these pathways where they have college experiences, uh, Hillsong College, Highlands College, even Bayside College, um, essentially providing a pathway for you. Hey, are you interested in ministry? Well, let's let's get you to do college through us. Um, we'll give you a degree through us as well. That's probably related to ministry. And then, um, and then obviously you might hope that you get a job here, but maybe we help you get a ministry job somewhere else, but that creates some challenges on the other side, right? Once you're trying to find a a job in the, uh, the, the secular workplace, if we're going to use church language, uh, a non-church workplace, um, what kind of challenges did that provide or prove for you when it came to, for example, a college degree? And is that something that you had pursued before you uh, you left church? Yeah, well, um, due to the fact that I was committed to a life in church ministry, I actually did not go to college. Um, it was just something that didn't fit into my goals. And, um, and I think it would have been it was a fine decision then. Of course, down the road, as I started to pursue other opportunities, um, the lack of a college degree definitely uh, um, definitely makes it difficult. I'd say now um, I have a pretty good um, you know number of roles under my belt, and and it doesn't really affect me as much. But it really did then, and um, as well, kind of jumping into the non-church. Um, you know, work world, um, it was difficult to position my experience, you know, um, in a way that made me seem like I had experience. Um, I actually, uh, on my resume, I named it um, Bayside Community. And under that, I wrote nonprofit. And my role there was um, like, you know, associate uh, youth director or, or something like that. And even in my interviews, people would ask, you know, what is the organization? What is the work that you were doing? And I don't want to say that I, I lied. I certainly didn't lie. I just didn't give all of the information, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so no, would explain totally. we'd host, you know, like community events and we were engaged in the local, um, you know, high schools and middle schools and, you know, kind of went down the list of very real things that we did in those roles, um, just not really focusing on the the church part. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, I've definitely heard the concept of, of revising or maybe uh, providing information in a different way than maybe you would expect. Um, I had a, a coworker at the coffee shop that I worked at. Um, the coffee shop was not just coffee was the brand and they put NJC on their resume because they didn't necessarily want the, uh, whoever viewed the resume at first. And, and again, this is usually people without talking to you or viewing it to decide if they want to talk to you, essentially, do I want to give you an interview? And, uh, and maybe they felt like seeing a food and bev job was the most recent job. It might diminish the accomplishments mm. listed below the title of the job. Sure. Um, I think I changed my job to senior program director at, instead of youth 
pastor or student pastor, yeah. I think was my actual title. And then yeah. instead of um, the chapel.cc, which, which was a URL, but also was community church, I just put the chapel.cc nonprofit. So I did the same exact thing and then try to do my best to take out a lot of the church verbiage from the accomplishments that I had included in my resume. So that's funny. We both had a, a similar experience. Um, and then do you feel like they were interested in that? I mean, for mine, I, nobody really even asked me about that job whenever I had had more uh, interviews. I think the difference is that I had a job in between, which I guess you did also, right? When In those interviews, you were working at the coffee shop. That's what everybody yep. asked me about was a coffee shop experience. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's a fun little tip for those of us that are trying to make some adjustments to our resume, maybe saying youth 100%. pastor, it, it, and it's not that you, people are like down about youth pastors. It's just that you're trying to put it in a language that they understand. Would you agree oh, with yeah. that? Oh, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, even, um, I, I think it's not like, it's not personal. It's not, um, to be ashamed of like the fact that you were part of ministry, but we're talking about hiring managers that have lived their lives in, um, you know, their given industry and the notion of, um, someone using their, their experience at a church, it just doesn't resonate. Also, I mean, you know, Matt, you and I, I think we've lived in a very specific church environment. For a lot of people, when they think of church, they think of the small Catholic church down the road from where they grew up or yeah. something something very different than the sort of organizations we worked for. And so I just recommend, um, yeah, uh, don't mention the fact that you worked at a church in your resume and don't mention the fact that you had sort of like pastoral care as your as one of your functions, not because you're ashamed of it, but because it tends to just filter you out of the uh, out of the application. So, Tyler, a quick weekends off question. What's a weekend activity that you like to take your time doing? You know, I'm, I'm a big reader right now. I also love to write. Um, and I often do so like after work or before work. And, um, you know, I only have like 30 minutes, an hour here and there. And so I love on the weekends just setting aside a few hours with no plans, bring my book, also bring my laptop and just take some time to do whatever. Um, sometimes I'll... I'll, I'll like get really invested into the book I'm reading and finish a lot of chapters or sometimes I'll feel really distracted, but I'm just like people watching, enjoying the time. Um, that's something I love to do. Also, uh, I love to cook. I'm a big cook. And again, on the weekdays, it's often how fast can we get dinner out? But I love to pick a really complicated meal um, on the weekend, go grocery shopping, get everything together and you know if it takes four hours to cook this meal it takes four hours I <laughs> I just love the uh, you know kind of the meditative experience of just doing something for fun yeah that's a really good point so that's great so you you went along with the agency you redid your resume you are now a what, what was your title that you changed it to a, a, a community director uh, I like associate youth director was what, and okay. at, at Bayside community, a, a nonprofit. Yeah, Bayside <laughs> community nonprofit. So, so you, you've now equipped yourself with this resume. You mm -hmm. have found 
um, that you were having some issues. So you used, you ended up finding an, an agency that was able to help connect. You said it was a couple of weeks, right? Until you got offered your job. Um, yeah. that's great. So tell me about what it was like your first couple of days, your first month, your first um, couple of months, like what are the big, um, things, what, what can somebody expect going into a new job? And what were some of the things that you discovered? What, maybe some things that were, uh, you were, you had expected that kind of played out that same way, or maybe some things that were surprising to you about the culture. Sure. Um, honestly, one of the first things that occurred to me was that I, felt overqualified for the for the role that I took but it was nearly the only level of role I could get if that makes sense and so there was a tension period I feel like in that role which I only again had for three months it was just a quick contract position um, where my resume spoke to the fact that I've nearly never I've nearly done nothing you know in terms of um, like organizational uh, work Um, yet I felt like I was flying through onboarding and and kind of ready for more. So um, I think there was an opportunity to kind of be frustrated or to kind of, um, you know, grovel at that. But really, I just tried my best to consider the fact that I was gaining experience. Um, and the the contract role was truly the reason I got the next position, which was what kickstarted really my career. And so I would just say for anyone looking for jobs um, to take anything, you know, like it doesn't have to be something you stay in for a long time. Um, but if you can just get um, a, a, an organization's name that's not associated with the church, that comes with business skills, um, that's key to kind of kickstarting the rest. Yeah, it's true. I mean, with with me having Bank of America on my resume, I could essentially go and just um, remove everything else that was ever on my resume. And that would be enough. Yeah. And, um, and that's what you're looking to do. You're looking to, to build some experiences that, that employers recognize and understand. (laughs) You're trying to get some, some points in the board where they look at it and they go, okay, I get that. Um, the language you have to learn to, to speak their language. Um, a (laughs) hundred percent. Did you feel like as you were going through onboarding and, and doing that first role that you were being recognized as, as doing your job exceedingly well? I thought so. Um, I, I thought so. It, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting role. I, I guess I should say I did not enjoy that position. Um, I didn't enjoy my boss. Um, it was a weird office culture. Like, um, it just was a job. And, um, and I think that I was doing a satisfactory job and they, they knew that at least. And there were some perks and recognitions, but, um, but I was ready to get out. And, uh, that was one of the reasons I only, I only sat in that position for, for a few months. Well, tell me about what was the first job where you felt like you really hit your stride? Yeah. I mean, it would have been the very next one. Um, it was, a it was a wonderful position for me in, in that sort of, level of experience. It was a role where I definitely fell out of my comfort zone. I had so much to learn. It really felt like my my first real career job um, in the sense of the word. Um, so I was a, a junior project coordinator and the junior piece was due to the fact that I was working in smart manufacturing. So there was a whole industry that I was unfamiliar with. Thankfully, at a lot of really specialized companies, they expect new talent to 
uh, not know anything. And so I was sort of spending the first six to 12 months of that role learning while I was working. Um, and, you know, month after month, I learned more. I was doing better. I was gaining recognition. Um, and I like to think that I have good work ethic. And uh, actually, I think, I think we talked about this recently. I feel like people who grow up um, in the church and grew up working for the church or volunteering tend to take with them a really uh, outstanding work ethic. And um, even like my friends that have sort of left the church um, and also started working in, in different careers, they tend to get recognized a lot for that work ethic. So um, maybe for anyone looking to, to jump into a new role, at least know that you'll probably take that with you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's good. That, that that actually is a good transition point to talk about some of those skills that you learned in your ministry role that you felt like really paid off. And then maybe we can contrast that with like maybe maybe some <laughs> things that you realized that you had no clue about um, as you came into the corporate world and you had to catch up pretty quickly. Um, so what are some things would you say? So work ethic is one. Um, you might call that also maybe ownership. Or, but what are some other attributes that you feel like you, you gleaned from your church experience that have paid dividends now? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, sort of, um, and, and people people that were in our roles where it's very social, it's very public and a lot of like conflict resolution. Uh, I think employers tend to find that to be really um, impactful in the workplace. If you can, you know, really keep people on your good side, if you can be very helpful, um, come up with lots of solutions, like not complain very much. Um, those are the types of things that I learned from ministry that um, were really transferable. Alongside just being able to talk to different types of people, being able to navigate challenging conversations, and, um, you know, in, in at least youth ministry, you have to be very creative. Um, there were so many sort of brainstorming sessions that we had and um, new ideas we would we would develop. And in the workplace, that really shines as well. I think there's, you know, sort of a function where you just kind of do the bare minimum. You come in, you clock in, you clock out. Or you act as a team player and really make a difference. And, and people notice that. Um, again, I think I'm so thankful for like work ethic in general and sort of the, the notion of being a servant. I think it actually does help you in the long run um, in a quote unquote secular career. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that for me and in, in my corporate job, I, I feel like I, I notice whenever those things are not present in others where I, sure. I go, how have you made it this far, right? And and the answer, most of the time, if you look at their resume, is that they've just been in it so long that like mm. inevitably they, they've received promotions just because they've been around long enough. Um, but uh, but I, I definitely work with people that I'm, I cannot, I just cannot believe. And we have a title system at Bank of America. So things like officer, um, assistant vice president, vice president, director, managing director. Yep. So these titles are usually associated with... Um, with tenure, but also with uh, certain levels of requirements that would say, hey, you now meet the criteria of somebody who would receive one of these titles. I have no title, funny enough, like literally none. Um, there are a couple of reasons for that, and they're all organizational and kind of frustrating, but uh, but I work yeah. with assistant vice presidents, vice presidents, and directors all day, and, and my role is made for an AVP or VP uh, yeah. title. 
So okay. I'm curious okay. to know if maybe I'll get like uh, catch up at some point because I'm multiple levels beneath um, what my peers are. But anyways, you see somebody who's a director who just has no interest in uh, in taking on anything that is like tangential to their responsibility <laughs> or 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 even can be like you can provide a great case that this actually is your job. And uh, and they're like, nope, not my job, not my problem. I like, love this. No help, this. no help to you at all. And, Deflection uh, at its finest. It's true, and it's like, oh my gosh, and it makes me so frustrated. But um, but I think the reason I get frustrated, just like you said, is because I came, um, from or developed, I guess maybe I should say, I developed a level of ownership in my previous roles, um, because it was kind of all on you. And if it was maybe your responsibility, it actually it is your responsibility because nobody else is going to do it. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and so when I see in other people that they don't have these like core soft skills that I feel like I've just sure. taken for granted in others, um, it is, it's so frustrating to me, but at the same time, what that presents is if you, if you change the perspective, it's just opportunities where you can then stand out among the crowd. And, um, and I think that's so huge. I mean, there's such opportunity in corporate America or, um, would you consider your job corporate America? I mean, it is corporate, it's tech. Oh um, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, in those roles, there's so many opportunities to, to, to just scale the organizational ladder and get in. Obviously you need to be given an opportunity, but once you hit your stride, I mean, the, yes. the ceiling is limitless. Um, yeah, it, yeah. it, 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 it makes, I the, love it. I, yeah, I I, I want to um, I want to actually ask you a question, Matt, uh, because what you're what you're talking about, I feel like we have a very similar experience um, and and kind of um, our level of experience in this world and kind of who we're working with and all of those things. Do you ever deal with imposter syndrome? Because I feel like it's something I deal with all the time. I feel like if there's one piece of imposter syndrome, I do feel is like when people just have a history of experience and I just I feel so lacking that. But when I first started, I definitely was just in over my head. Um, I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing when I got started. Absolutely none. Everything was new. Everything was and, new. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't even know what the stock market really was. I mean, I knew yeah. about it. Um, I didn't know anything about the products or the way that things are done or what a hedge fund was. Um, no idea. So I, I kind of got thrown in the deep end, but that, that to me, and maybe this is just part of me, but I love that. Like if I'm surrounded by knowledge and I don't know anything, um, it can be really inspiring for me, especially if people aren't gatekeeping. Uh, but at the same time, there are moments where I still know that I'm new and I, it doesn't happen very often, but sometimes I feel, I'll feel like people are like, who are you? Like, mm, why mm. are you talking to me? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, know, well, cause, cause I'm going to be very good at this one day and I'm already contributing. Um, but I would say that that's how I, how I feel about it. I also just have this, um, optimism that turns to confidence pretty quickly where I just assume everybody is excited about me doing what I'm doing. Um, and, and also oftentimes that does prove out to be true. Um, but sometimes I'll be honest, I, I, I know that I just, think people like me, but maybe they don't. And so I use that, um, the thinking that they like me as permission to pursue some things, um, and to try <laughs> to make this. things happen. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're I literally think that's the, the most, you are the most optimistic, likable person. So I think you're pretty <laughs> much on the nail there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's just, there's so many people, so many different personalities and not everybody jives, but, uh, 
But all that to say is that I, I felt imposter syndrome getting the job. I was like, well, what am I supposed to be doing? Like the interview, I had no idea the, the job description that of the job that I interviewed for, no idea what it meant. Mm. Mm, Not even like good. the basic <laughs> writings of like, here's what you're doing. No idea. I mean, Blind. now, <laughs> yeah, not even one thing that I understand what they were trying to get me to do. Something about metrics. I'm like, okay, I know what metrics are. Um, I love but, this. But uh, anyway, so I've, I've learned a lot, obviously, in the role. But, uh, but imposter syndrome, I would say early on, no. Or sorry, early on, yes. But as I got more comfortable, I would say that that went away. And that should be a hopeful beacon for people is like, yeah. hey, you you ha- now have some experience. You're not always going to feel like an outsider. And yeah. I think that that's only gonna, going to become more and more the case as I gain more experience. I have more on my resume. And uh, and as I just get more comfortable at doing my job well, because, I mean, there's always yeah. also that level of, of are you doing a good job at your job? And, and other people can help you with deciding whether or not that's true. But, um, but I think as you get to be good at your job, then, then you start to realize, Hey, maybe I, maybe I'm actually good at this and I can make a difference. Yeah. I think also what's key is just early on, um, being honest about your lack of knowledge. I found that to be really helpful. So if I, position myself to people as just like a sponge, as someone who really was uh, invested in learning, um, people didn't seem to mind. I think it's maybe when you um, let that be a detriment to your work or I don't know, it's probably a pride thing for a lot of people. And I think it was for me at first, but um, I just learned to ask a lot of questions and be really interested in learning. And that, that helped me a ton. Tyler, another weekends off question. When you go to a coffee shop, what is your go-to drink order? I would probably disappoint a lot of people these days because I used to be in the coffee game. I used to manage a coffee shop. I used to be in charge of of quality. (laughs) And uh, these days I just love a really um, simple uh, black iced coffee. Um, sometimes from a bodega, sometimes from, you know, a third wor- third wave uh, a coffee shop. But but uh, I just need that that nice, refreshing glass of, of iced coffee. That's pretty much it. Tell me about your current role. What do you do now? What Like where you've landed? Do you feel settled? Are, are you going to do something else? Or are you liking this job? Tell me about this job. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I, I have said out loud to myself, to others, that this is um, my favorite job so far. So um, I'm definitely happy to be in a role that I really enjoy. Um, You know, with each new position, I feel like it's just been more and more work. And so sort of adjusting to workloads has been a challenge. Um, You know, these, these companies, they just, they work you very hard. Uh, in this case, though, you are on, you know, you're getting paid nine to five and uh, that's the trade off um, versus, you know, spending time unpaid. So um, it's all a learning experience. But um, currently I, I moved from, again, I mentioned a role in revenue analysis. Before that, I was doing business analysis and um really loved the skills I learned in those roles, but I was missing, um, honestly, just people, like engaging with people, obviously coming from um, being a youth pastor and everything, that was something I was really good at and really enjoyed. And so I was looking for a role that combined um, any sort of customer-facing aspect with 
you know, project management, basically. And so this role, uh, uh, program manager, um, involves a book of business. So I have about 40 customers right now. Um, some of them are in the U.S., some of them are in the U.K., which I found very interesting. Uh, and I, and I, again, I kind of just step in and get a sense of their goals and their priorities related to their hiring programs and how they're using our company's product to do and achieve those goals. And I, and I help them get there really. Um, it's very nuanced in terms of what I'm doing day to day. Uh, but ultimately I'm measured by the success of my customers, which is a good feeling. I feel like I'm almost in a in a servant role again, like, and not, and not servant in the negative sense of the word, but in the sense where you're really giving back to people and helping them do their jobs better and helping them reach their goals. It's, it's honestly somewhat fulfilling. Yeah, I love that. And, and in the light, um, or in light of that, that feeling and the, the, the organizational goals of, of your team, um, you had mentioned that that you have a level of uh, guidance that you normally give to people that are looking for roles and and trying to start uh, essentially the beginning of a new career. Um, I'm curious: is now a good time for you to give some of those suggestions to listeners that maybe are trying to develop their new resume post church work? Absolutely. Um, I will say I'm in like literally the least. I should say I'm the farthest from being an expert on any of this. Um, but even outside of this role, I feel like I have a lot to to speak to from my own experience, job hunting and kind of working the system. Um, and of course, what I've learned um, working in this role. But um, yeah, I'd say, you know, if you're building that resume for the first time and you have a, a church position there, what I would say is, again, we talked through sort of um, making your your titles and your positions sort of generalized, not specific to to the church itself, but just specific to what you were doing. Um, but really, uh, numbers talk is, is kind of what I wanted to say. So if you used to run retreats, then in your resume, mention the number of attendees that you pulled together, mention the number of volunteers that you oversaw, um, mention the, the the budgets that you managed. I think that employers are often looking for, for metrics, for numbers, for concrete facts as it relates to your results. Um, and, and that's been huge for me over time, just consistently turning something that's more conceptual to something that's measurable um, is really uh, awesome to have in your resume. And then when you're going to look for roles, um, I think people are sometimes surprised how many jobs I apply to each time I've taken a new position. Um, usually it's between 50 and 70 jobs that I'll apply to. And I am applying rapid fire. I have multiple versions of my resume put aside, one specific maybe to customer success, one specific to admin, maybe one specific to um, you know data and analysis. Um, and so that way, each type of role that you pull up, you can pull the appropriate resume, um, submit it there. Um, you know, same with like cover letters, have a couple different versions. Um, just trying to really stand out is the is the main thing here. And uh, uh, don't be afraid to do some research and reach out to people that are working in the hiring manager's office or in the recruiting team. Um, m most of the roles that I've gotten uh, the initial touch point was me finding like the senior recruiter that worked at the company, which you can just search for on LinkedIn, sending them a message and them saying, oh, hey, like, I love your resume. I'll go ahead and submit it to the hiring manager. And that alone puts you 
so ahead of, of, you know, likely the hundreds of other people that are, that are applying. Yeah. I love that. I mean, uh, relationship was crucial and, um, I mean, very crucial, like without the relationship, I, I had mentioned that my resume had been tossed out by HR before it even got to the hiring manager. And mm. luckily my relationship, um, that I had who had connected me with the hiring manager originally, he was able to essentially broker a, a retrieval of my resume from the HR team back to the hiring manager who essentially thought I didn't apply um, to the job Crazy. because it wasn't in his stack. Um, but it's huge. I mean, having these relationships and, and if you're in the same area of town as maybe you are working in church, maybe there's somebody that you know that um, works at a company and, and maybe even just starting by asking them how they like it and then and then transitioning that um, role or that conversation to, hey, do you know of any roles available? I mean, having those relationships, leveraging them, I mean, that's a, that is one of the strengths that came from the church experience is the relationships you have. And I like Tyler's, your story, because you, you were able to figure it out without leveraging a specific person with, with the agency that you had used. Um, but, uh, but that's, it's two different ways, but, but also finding ways to do them both. I mean, maybe finding an agency that can help, but at the same time, reaching out to your network, um, because the network, I mean, what do they say? Your network is your net worth. I don't know. I don't know what that exactly means. Let's be honest. Like, are people giving you money if they have, if they know you? I don't know. You missed um, out on something here. (laughs) Yeah. But, but anyways, your network is important, I guess is what I would say. And, uh, and leveraging that because people want to help. I mean, they, they do, they want to help you. They believe, um, that you're, you're good at what you do, especially if you, you have a prior relationship with them and they understand what level of excellence that you provided in your previous role. Um, I've seen a lot of people that have made relationships and turned those into new careers. And that's my story, um, as well. But I love finding alternative ways to make those relationships, even if it's searching up, like you said, a hiring manager or hiring um, staff member within HR via LinkedIn and then sending them a message and just seeing what happens. Um, you, you said multiple cover letters. Are you just like finding replacing names or are you not using names in those cover letters? No. Uh, well, yes. Yeah, so, so in terms of like, um, I'll, I'll find the company name and, um, maybe there, I have one sentence that I know is, is contextual. So I'll rewrite the sentence every, for every job. Um, but more so that I have like, again, one cover letter that's really focused on my customer skills, maybe another cover letter that's more focused on my, um, you know, data skills, because depending on the job that you're, um, you're applying to, it's good to show that you've actually done your due diligence and understand the role. Um, but, uh, yeah, don't be afraid to, to plug and play, you know, it's, it's how I think most people are doing it. Yeah. Well, Tyler, this has been so great. Um, is there anything, any final thoughts that we haven't touched on that you want to make sure to get out during this career part of the episode? Um, so many, I don't know. I, I, I definitely, <laughs> you, you should, you should have a Q and a sometime, um, uh, see if anyone has specific questions. Cause I'd be interested to see what kinds of things people are, are working through. But I feel like one piece of advice that, um, has really helped me, um, increase my sort of turnaround time when I'm searching for jobs is to, and this might sound like kind of pessimistic, but just assume that you're not going to get the role and act accordingly. So um, 
I've done it before. I think a lot of people fall into this where you have a really good experience sort of um, in, uh, interviewing with a company. Maybe you feel like you're the perfect person for the role and you kind of slow down your job search waiting for an answer. And then you get that rejection and you have to start from scratch again. And so all the way up until an offer, I am actively applying, actively interviewing and actively pursuing additional offers. And uh, that can also help, you know, leveraging salary and kind of keeping your options open, you know. Um, that would be a big piece of advice that I would give people. Um, I think that's yeah. a really great piece of advice because I feel like <laughs> it, there there is a lie that you can believe that that to to pursue another job while you're interviewing interviewing for one is like disingenuous or something or like not being nice. I don't know. Sure. Like I, I dealt with that. Well, and it was in church role, church work, but it did. It felt very uncomfortable to be interviewing with two people at the same time and and saying, I would really love this job. You know what I mean? You have to really think about it as you are interviewing companies to determine where you're going to spend eight hours a day, you know? And so um, if you can manage to have ongoing um, interviews with different companies, I think that's only serving you. And, um, and, and the nice thing is the, the companies don't know what you're doing outside of their, their interview process. So you can, yeah. you can have, you know, 15 offers waiting for you and, and no one will know the better. Yeah. And, and you won't, you don't actually have the job until it's offered. I mean, I think my elevation experience is a good example of that, of like, I thought everything went so well, you know, and I actually, at that point, um, I had stopped actively pursuing new interviewing opportunities because I thought it was going so well. Um, because I just said in my mind was like, this is going to happen. And, um, and that can be really detrimental, you know, if, yeah. if, if you start getting in this mentality that this job is going to happen and you get through multiple interviews and everybody's giving you positive feedback. And then in, in some cases you never hear back, like not every job will even tell you you didn't get it. Maybe they just, oh no, they ghost, they you. just <laughs> ghost you. Yeah, exactly. And if you're waiting and waiting and waiting and hoping uh-huh. that they're going to give you an opportunity, I mean, I can see how that would really mess with your mental health, um, as well as your, your desire of finding a new position. So I think that's a great piece of advice. I I love that. Nice. Yeah. I'm glad it's helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Tyler, thanks so much, um, for this second part of the, uh, of the episode. I'm, I'm pumped. I hope that this has been helpful to other people as much as um, I know that it would have been helpful for me whenever I was going through my career transition. And I just want you to know that it's it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for being such a great friend, and and thanks for being the first uh, the first person to come on the podcast, essentially the inaugural guest. The honor is all mine. Um, this has been so fun, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I've loved it. I hope I can come join you again sometime. Yeah, that would be great. We'll have to do that. Maybe we'll get like a uh, a whole group of people. I don't know. That probably would not work, but it would make me happy at least. Maybe it would be horrible for guests, but great for for my heart. Great for so us. Maybe we'll just do it, <laughs> do it anyways. But cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tyler. We'll talk soon. This has been the Weekends Off podcast. Thanks for listening. For more content like this or to get in touch, we are on Instagram at Weekends Off Pod, all one word. Also, if you found this episode helpful, please consider sharing these stories with your friends or even consider leaving a review wherever you're listening. Thanks so much.